بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ چنائٹ از دا سیکنڈ آف نومبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری اینڈ الحمد للہ وی موو آن ٹو دا فائنل نائٹ دا ٹوینٹی سیونتھ لائف of our beloved man illustrious mother Sayyidah Khadija bint Khawailid radiyallah and the last session or so I've hopefully tried to explain who exactly are the august Ahlul Bayt radiyallahu ta'ala anhu and what is their status and I mentioned that the deviants elevate them even above the holy prophets and messages which is a clear obvious obvious deviation the only thing I should have mentioned the other August family members is a hadith and the hadith is in Hakim in his mustadrak from the prophet it has weakness from Sayyidina Ali in Qurtubi in his tafsir it's authentic and the hadith mentions that Salman al-Farsi is from my family. Salman al-Farsi is from my family, Aida Ahlul Bayt. So the context of this was because of his sacrifice, his embracing Islam and he's giving the brilliant suggestion of digging the ditch around the holy city. So the Ansar and the Muhajirun started competing. The Ansar said, he's one of us. The Muhajirun says, no, he's one of us. So Rasulullah intervened Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he says rather he's from my family. So how do we understand this report? So the clarification is in fact there's a direct hadith which mentions that if a person is a slave he's fallen under the possession of, an, of a Muslim and he frees him then that slave becomes part of that family. So any of the freed slaves of our beloved Messenger become Ahl al-Bayt. So was Salman al-Farsi a servant of Rasulullah? No, he wasn't. However, his Jewish master had set a ridiculous price, i.e. amount of gold and etc. etc. And Rasulullah, he, he arranged for this to be paid. So because of that, he became Ahlul Bayt. So the freed servant of a people become part of the family. Another honorable example is Sayyidina Thawban. He is the freed slave of the Prophet ﷺ. He is also Ahlul Bayt. Another is Sayyidina Abu Rafi, the freed slave of the Prophet ﷺ. So these are also considered the family of the Prophet as well ﷺ. So note how extensive it is. You got the khasa, the immediate family members, and then it filters out. But they're all under the umbrella of the Ahlul Bayt. So in this last session, let us mention a few out of many reports which highlight the status of this august and most noble family. So first in a hadith in Imam Ahmad's Musnad, Mishkat, volume 4, number 697W, in the chapter on the people of the Prophet Wasallam's household. Sayyidina Abu Dhar he was holding the door of the Kaaba and he said 
Verily the example of Ahli Bayti amongst you is like Nuh alayhi ark. Those he who sails on it will be safe. But he who holds back, he will perish. So let's look at this. So Abu Dhar, he was either the sixth or the seventh Muslim to embrace Islam. The seventh or sixth believer. So he's amongst the earliest of the earliest. The Prophet likened him to Isa ibn Maryam in terms of asceticism. So he's holding the door of the Kaaba, meaning this is adding to the majesty. So a person obviously, depending upon his maqam, he would never lie. But if a person's near a sacred relic or a sacred place, that's the last thing even on their spectrum. So Abu Dhar was showing his certainty over this. Mm. Abu Dhar was holding the door of the Kaaba and he said, now note, he didn't mention the Prophet said this. Mm. So it's from Abu Dhar. <laughs> Abu Dhar said, the example of Rasulullah's family, the Ahlul Bayt, is like Nuh Salatu's ark. Mm. So obviously we all know that safety was only on the ark. If you didn't get on the ark, you were doomed. Mm. There wasn't a mountain high enough to protect you. Mm. Then he said, he who sails on it. Now what did he mean by that? He who honors, respects, follows, will be safe. But he who holds bike, dishonors, disrespects, and does not follow, i.e. will perish. Mm-hmm. So look at how beautifully he highlighted the status of the August family. He's saying that you, they are your guides. Now what's interesting, most of the Ahl al-Bayt, their names are frequently mentioned in Tasawwuf. Mm-hmm. So if you go to the Sufi Tariqah, you will notice that at the head of these illustrious chains are the Ahl al-Bayt. Mm-hmm. Now why is that fascinating? Why aren't their names mentioned in Fiqh predominantly? You notice. Imam Abu Hanifa was not Ahlul Bayt. Imam Shafi was not Ahlul Bayt. He's from the tribe of Banu Abdul Muttalib, but he wasn't Ahlul Bayt. Imam Ahmad, Imam Malik. So why are the fiqhi ulama not from the Ahlul Bayt? So the response is in Sayyid Muslim Ibn Majah and Mishkat, our beloved Messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the Allah, the Almighty, does not look at your face and your wealth or figures. He looks at your hearts and deeds. So the first place that Allah, the Almighty and Glorious, looks at is your heart. The heart is the soul. So who do you turn to for matters of purity? Imam Abu Hanifa famously said, if I had not spent two years with Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq, I would have been ruined. Now what, would he, what was he learning from Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq? Purity. So note, here, this is where their real treasure lies. But of course, there were also giants in the fields of fiqh. But that went to the outward scholars. So note, the, they're the ark. They're likened to the ark of Nuh, There's another report which mentions in Razin, and the Sahaba are like stars. Now, why is that beautiful? Because if you board a ship, you are safe from drowning. But the ship could go anywhere. You could lose direction. How would the ships of old navigate? They use stars. So look how beautiful. The ship protects, but you still need navigation. 
So the navigation are the stars. Who are the stars? The companions. So note, there's no separation between the family and the sahab. They are both complementing each other. It's only the deviants who want you to make you believe this. Because like they say, you're either with us or against us. But that's not the case with the, the family and the august companions of the Prophet In another report, our beloved messenger, he said, Love my household because of your love for me or because I love them. This is in Tirmidhi, Hassan, Mishkat, Volume 4, Number 46, in the chapter on the people of the Prophet household. He's given you a reason. So we love the family of the Prophet. A person asks, why do you love the family of the Prophet? The Prophet told you the answer. Love my family because of your love for me. Or because I love them. Depending how you translate the word. So why do we love the family of the Prophet? Because we love the Prophet. He loved his family, so we love whoever he loves. Or because Rasulullah loved them. Because he loves them, we emulate the Prophet. Now why is this important to highlight? Because that clearly indicates that they are honored by Rasulullah. Right? Rasulullah is the one who honors. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that I, we, I swear by this city and you are a free man of this city. Surah Balad. We swear by this city and you, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, are a free man of this city. Imam Khazim in his tafsir he says note Allah Ta'ala has honored Makkah by Rasulullah that's what the verses mean I, we swear by this city then he explains why because you are the resident of this city you are the one who, have on, who has honored Makkah so Rasulullah honors so the Ahl al-Bayt are no exception they have been honored because of Rasulullah so how can you not love them? So note again, this is the family of our beloved messenger. The complete report, just to add the, the beginning, the Prophet says, Love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he gives you rizq. So think about that. You, the, our beloved messenger could have mentioned millions of things while we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What did he boil it down to? He gives you rizq. So somebody goes, what's rizq? So a very poor understanding is food and drink. But rizq means everything. It means blessings. You know, what is rizq? Lifespan, children, wealth, you know, etc, etc. Well-being. That's why we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because he gives us rizq. So note, Allah ta'ala, his, that's the domain of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we love Rasulullah. The Prophet, sorry, the Prophet then said, said Allah, love me because Allah Ta'ala loves me. <laughs> then he mentioned his family. So why do we love Rasulullah? The Prophet said, love me because Allah Ta'ala loves me. <laughs> so why do we love? Look how beautiful. There's a chain. Why do we love the family of the Prophet? Because of Rasulullah. Why do we love Rasulullah? Because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <laughs> That's putting it in a very simple form. So note again that you know this is how and why we love them so much. 
also Sayyidina Zayd ibn Arqam radiyallahu he relates that our beloved messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa I am leaving amongst you two things the first of them is the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then he said an ahli bayti and my family this is in Sayyid Muslim Riyadh al-Salihin Ibn Jarir Kanzul Umal volume 5 page 95 Ibn Kathir's Tafsir volume 7 page 682 of the English translation Mishkat volume 4 number 6 in the chapter on the people of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa household Hayat al-Sahab volume 3 page 561 of the New English translation so I mentioned this before this is the most authentic report about what two things that the Prophet said I've left amongst you the more famous narrative which we hear is that I am leaving amongst you two things. If you cling onto them, you will never go astray. The book of Allah and my sunnah. That hadith is not in the six collections. It's not in Bukhari, Muslim, Nasai, Abu Dawud, Ibn Majah. It's in Imam Malik's Muwatta, Behaki, Hakim. But, Shaykh Al-Bani, Rahmatullah, stated Sahih. So now why is that interesting? Why didn't Imam Bukhari record it? Why didn't Imam Muslim record it? They knew this report. So you have to be fair. So we say, we accept both the reports. But if you are looking for the stronger in terms of authenticity, it's this report, the book of Allah and my family. So now is there a contradiction? No. Because the family guide you to Allah Ta'ala and His Messenger. And the Sunnah. But there's a big difference between the two. In a hadith in Tirmidhi, the Prophet ﷺ said, one of them is greater than the other. Mm-hmm. Now what did he mean by that? The Qur'an is greater than my family. Mm-hmm. He did not say that for the Sunnah. Mm-hmm. So there is the report indicating the vital difference. The Qur'an and Sunnah are a divine revelation. Mm-hmm. They are infallible. But when he mentioned his family, he separated them. He goes, one is greater than the other, meaning that my family are not comparable to the infallible. And this is why we, the Ahlul Sunnah, say they're not infallible. They can make mistakes, but we don't look for their mistakes. Only in a shaitan would do that. So when the Prophet said, I am leaving amongst you two things. The first is the Quran and the second is my family. It means you will be guided by them. But you need to explain that. Because the deviants will say, look, the Quran and Sunnah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the Quran and the family are together. So the family is just like the Quran. Mm-hmm. So we say, yes, there are examples in terms of living the Quran, but they are not infallible. We don't follow all their errors. We don't start, you know, following their errors. And we don't want to start, you know, mentioning the errors of the Ahlul Bayt. But you can mention. They themselves grieved over certain things. Hazrat Ali grieved over the Baal of the Kamal. Sayyidah Aisha grieved over the Baal of the Kamal. So do we follow them? Right? So if they have grieved over it, it means, look, we if we had a second, if you know, like you say, if you had a second chance, we wouldn't have gone down this path. So this shows they're not infallible. In fact, when somebody asked Ali radiyallahu, are you going out to oppose this man because of something that Allah Ta'ala has revealed? He goes, no, because this is my opinion. Why? Because if it was revelation, Hazrat Moab is going against revelation. So the, he just respectfully said to that person, this is my opinion. Meaning if I'm right, I'm right. If I'm wrong, may Allah have mercy upon me. So note again, this is the understanding of these famous reports. In another report, our beloved messenger said, 
and they, I, the Quran and my family, will never separate until they come to the Hud, the basin on the day of judgment. Thus consider how you act regarding them after me. This is in Tirmidhi, Mishkat, volume 4, number 19, in the chapter on the people of the Prophet household. So the Quran comes back to Rasulullah at the Hud. The family of Rasulullah come back at the Hud. The Prophet said, if they're coming back to the Hud, that means you're going to meet me there. Those look at how your relationship is with the Quran. And look how your relationship is with my family. Why? Because it'd be embarrassing. Imagine those people who were involved in the martyrdom of Imam Hussein. How are they going to show their face to the Prophet with the blood of his grandson? So the Prophet warned you about that. He goes, consider how you act regarding them after me, meaning be careful with them. Aye, because you're going to be meet, they all coming back to me and the Quran. People find this strange. The Prophet said, that the, uh, everything has got rights and one of the things that has got rights of you is the Quran if you don't fulfill the rights of the Quran you're in trouble <laughs> so what are the rights of the Quran the Prophet's warning you because he said you're going to be standing at the hood and if the Quran is there and you've neglected his rights you're in trouble <laughs> similarly Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu relates that our beloved messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa my confidence to whom I turn are Ahlul Bayt and my close friends are the Ansar. So forgive those of them who do wrong and accept the excuses of those of them who do good. This is in Tirmidhi Hassan, Mishkat, volume 4, number 162, in the chapter on the people of the Prophet household. So here the Prophet mentions, they are my confidence, meaning I trust them with my life. I trust my family with my life. And where's the clearest proof of that? Who did he say, stay in my bedding? <laughs> Ali. <laughs> that was his family. <laughs> because he trusted him with his life. And then he goes, nothing will happen to you. <laughs> that was a miracle. If something had happened, he's not a prophet. <laughs> and Hazrat Ali said, that was the greatest night. I had a cracking sleep. <laughs> because the prophet told me this, you know, mashallah. <laughs> if you've got, you know, 13 or 11 assassins outside with drawn swords, you can have a cracking sleep. <laughs> But his iman was so strong, he goes, great asleep, I've had in my life. In fact, they woke him up. Imagine he's asleep. And they go, you know, he's woke, is he asleep? And he goes, where is he? He goes, where's who? MashaAllah, right? So not the Prophet, this shows that his love and trust for obviously his family. But then he prays the Ansar, my close friends of the Ansar, forgive those of them who do wrong and accept the excuses of those who do good. Not everybody's given honor by Rasulullah. So again, with regards to the reports, there are over 200 or 300 narrations with regards to the Ahlul Bayt. Some say even more. So again, I just wanted to give you a few. And who is amongst the core of the Ahlul Bayt? Our beloved mother, Sayyidah Khatija Allah. So again, note, this is why we go through their lives. Why? Because we don't want to be embarrassed when we stand in front of the Prophet The The worst, how embarrassing it's going to be if you don't even know your mother. Imagine, you're at the hold. You don't even know your mother. Somebody has to tell you, you know who that is? It's your mother. Next minute, can I have some water, Ya Rasulullah? Right? Imagine, you know, how embarrassing is that? You know, at least know the names. Then, even better, get acquainted with them. So at least you think, mashallah, we're with the family of the Prophet, Subhanallah, we beg Almighty Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, to be amongst the true devotees of this most august and venerable household. Ameen. So to conclude, 
with a few verses from the Quran. So Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He clearly mentions that Rasulullah's wives are not like other women. In Surah Al-Ahzab, Surah 33, verse 32, Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He says, Ya O wives of the Prophet, you are not like any other women. O wives of the Prophet, you are not like any other women. So Allah Ta'ala mentions that you must never equate them to any other women. That's what he's telling you. If Allah Ta'ala says they're not like any other women, that means you don't compare with them. Unless Rasulullah has said something. They demand that much love and veneration. Imam Qurtubi, he said something here. Imam Qurtubi, he mentions, Rahmatullah in his tafsir, we love them like we love our mothers, our biological mothers. We venerate them like we love our biological mothers. But they are different in one respect. Because we can't sit with them. They must be available. So Imam Qurtubi was highlighting that when you say mother, it means mother in every angle except what Allah Ta'ala has prohibited. So we can't just sit with them like you know, like our biological mothers. There has to be a veil. So note again, when you say mother, you have to highlight the slight difference there. And of course, they're greater than our biological mothers. Why? Because they're Rasulullah's uh, noble wives. And also, the scholars, they use very carefully worded statements. Why are they so sacred, the mothers of the believers? Because they have the potential of becoming the mother of Rasulullah's children. Mm. So that is what makes them special. <laughs> because they're sharing something of Rasulullah which only a wife can share. Mm. Right? So again, the word, how they talk is very, very respectful. You get some people, they just come out with the obvious. But when people say, why are they special? You know, the Prophet could divorce them. And the response is, no. They have something which nobody else shares. Only the wise would share this. And of course, what your right hand possesses, I say the Maria. And also, Allah Ta'ala mentions in the same surah that they are your mothers. His wives are your mothers. So why does Allah Ta'ala mention that? Because the scholars state one reason is Rasulullah and his noble brothers and fathers, they are alive in their graves. So their wives are permanently forbidden to you. You can't marry their widows. Somebody goes, where's the proof? They're your mothers. Do you marry your mother? That's why one reason why Allah has called them your mothers. is permanently forbidden to you. The great Talha ibn Ubaidullah, one of the ten promised paradise, the living martyr, he was actually thinking, before the verse was revealed, that if Rasulullah passes away, I will marry Aisha. He was thinking that. He didn't say anything. Why was he thinking that? Because they're from the same tribe. Abu Bakr and Talha. So obviously, he thought, you know, it would be an honor if this happens. God forbid it does happen. But if it does happen, it will be an honor for me. You're just thinking this. Allah Ta'ala revealed that verse. So even one of the ten promised paradises, Allah Ta'ala didn't spare. You're there, your mothers. And then Talha did Tawbah. And somebody asked, why are you doing Tawbah? He goes, never mind. Keep your nose out of it. 
Right? So, note again, even thoughts, Allah Ta'ala was taken to account of the elite. What about Bachari in today's day and age? Why did our mother do that? Why did, they don't even say mother. They, they mention her name. Which son calls his mother by his name? Why did Aisha come out? Then just say this to the person, what's your mother's name? So what do you want to know that for? Well, you mentioned your mother's name. I'd like to know your mother's name. And look how defensive they get. I'm never going to tell you my mother's name. Well, why you, so, you know, why you, you know, think about what you're saying? You don't call your mother by a name. If you had said, why is our mother come out? Even then you'd say, look, brother, why are you coming out with these failings? Mention the, you know, the virtues of the a little bit. So note again, this is what Allah Ta'ala is warning you not to fall down. Either lizards hold as they say, Astaghfirullah. And the verse, which I've mentioned again and again, Surah 33, verse 33, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, Audhi Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem, إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُذْهِبَ عَنْكُمُ الْرِجْسَ أَحَلَ الْبَيْدِ وَيُطَحِّرُكُمْ تَطْحِيرًا Verily Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala only intends to keep filth away from you, O August family, and to purify you with a total purification. So like I've mentioned again, intends. They're not purified. <laughs> you know, again, you know, how 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 are these fruitcakes got blinkers on? They use this verse to say they're masoom. So our response is where does it say they're masoom? Allah Ta'ala intends. They have to do something. The prophets don't need to do anything to become masoom. So this verse is a clear proof they're not infallible. But, you know, like you say, you know, the truth, you know, hurled up, falsehood smashes you unless you've got blinkers on. So this proves that they have to do something to earn purification. The prophets were given masumiyat. In Surah Yusuf, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Alayhi salatu wa salam, Surah Yusuf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that we kept him away from wal-fahsha and wal-mun... wal-su'i wal-fahsha, bisu'i wal-fahsha. Imam Qadi Thanawla Panipati in Tafsir Mazhari he says what was Allah Ta'ala keeping away from Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam su and fahsha means minor and major sins so Allah Ta'ala is explicitly telling you something about Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam I'm keeping him away from minor and major sins why? Because the, if a beautiful woman tries to seduce you, Allah Ta'ala was protecting him. And what's amazing about the whole scenario, not sidetracking too much, she actually locked the doors. So she got him into the most intimate chamber, private chamber, locking the doors, telling the servants, you know, guard the doors. So he was trapped. And if, God forbid, anything had happened, nobody would have known except Yusuf and Zulaikha. Yusuf what happened he did what he had to do now why is that interesting because that's the wakum he didn't just say Ya Allah I put my trust in you so what's the most he could do he could just head towards the door at least I can go to the door it's locked what happened the door started unlocking themselves Allahu Akbar imagine he gets to the door he unlocks who's unlocking it Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you do what you do, leave the rest to me. But you got to do what you do. If you don't do what you do, it's not going to happen. Tie the camel. Then put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So note, that's not the Ahlul Bayt. They're not given that maqam. So again, note here, Allah ta'ala is mentioning that they are, they will be purified with the total purification. 
And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, like I mentioned many moons ago, Sayyidah Khatija was either the first believer or certainly amongst the first. Is there anything specifically about Khatija as compared to the other blessed mothers? Yes. In Surah Al-Ahqaf, Surah 46 verse 11, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفُرُوا لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَوْ كَانَ خَيْرًا مَا سَبَقُونَا إِلَيْهِ And the unbelievers say to the believers, or say about the believers, had Islam any good in it, these early ones would not have outstripped us. <laughs> so what did they say? The kuffar they said about the most earliest believers, if there was any good in this faith, these would not have sabakuna, they wouldn't have outstripped us because we deserve it. We're the special ones. So there's nothing special about this. So how did Allah Ta'ala respond to them? In Surah Al-Waqiyah, Surah 56, verse 10 onwards. وَالصَّابِقُونَ الصَّابِقُونَ and the outstrippers ah, the outstrippers they will be brought nearest in the gardens of bliss so this is the Quran explaining the Quran the unbelievers said they would not have outstripped us they use the word sabakuna because we are more deserving this faith doesn't mean jack that we say in today's day and age Allah Ta'ala then turned that word he goes, وَالصَّابِقُونَ الصَّابِقُونَ The outrunners, the outstrippers, ah, the outstrippers, in other words, you don't realize what you've said. They will be brought مُقَرَّبُونَ They're going to be, they're my intimates. فِي جَنَّاتِ naim In the garden of bliss. So who's one of the outstrippers? Our mother, Khadija. So she's mentioned, Allah Ta'ala is highlighting her status amongst the others, obviously the early outrunners. And of course, the famous verse in Surah 9, verse 100, Surah Tawbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالصَّابِقُونَ الْأَوَّلُونَ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ وَالْأَنصَارِ وَالَّذِينَ اتَّبَعُوهُمْ بِإِحْسَانٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ وَرَدُوعًا وَأَعَدَّ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي تَحْتَهَا الْأَنْهَارِ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أَبَدًا ذَلِكَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ the outstrippers, the Mahajirun and the Ansar, and those who follow them in Ihsan, well pleased is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with them, as are they with him. For them has he prepared gardens under which rivers flow to dwell therein forever. Behold, that is indeed the supreme triumph. So who does Allah Ta'ala mention first? Wasabiqoon al-awwaloon. The first of the outstrippers. Who's Allah mentioning first? He's mentioning Khatija. He's mentioning Abu Bakr. He's mentioning Zayd ibn al-Harith. He's mentioning Ali ibn Abu Talib. He's mentioning all the early. He mentions them first. Wasabiqun al-awwalun. Then he says, Minal muhajirin. Muhajirin. Then he says, the Ansar. Then he says, and those who follow them. Walladheena tabauhum. So some ulama said this refers to the tabi, But most say no. It means all those who follow their excellent example in Ihsan. Allah Ta'ala stamped As-Sabiqoon al-Awwaloon, Muhajirun Ansar. He's all, they've reached Ihsan. 
Why? Because we are told to follow them in the Ihsan. So what was their worship? <laughs> when people say, what did the Prophet famously say, Wasallam, worship your Lord as if you see him. If you can't get to that level, at least be, know that he sees you. All the Sabiqoon al-Awwaloon, Muhajirun and the Ansar were seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their worship. Allah was testifying to that. And he goes, you follow them in that. <laughs> that also indicates very subtly that their lives will be documented in detail. Because to follow means you need to have details. And notice when you go through the lives of the elite, so much detail. We've spent almost a month on Sayyid al This is just the surface, but at least you realize why there's so much detail here. Why? Because Allah is saying, follow them in Ihsan. Then he says, if you do that, I will be pleased with you as I was pleased with them. That is the supreme triumph. So note again, in the glorious book and also the blessed Sunnah, the family of the Prophet is certainly being honored above others. And to crown it off, when we conclude every prayer of Salah, we send Salat upon the family of the Prophet. In the Hadith in Bayhaqi, Sayyid Hadith, Sayyidina Ali radiyallahu said, if you make a supplication and you do not send salah upon the family of Muhammad the dua is wasted. So according to this Sahih Hadith, if you just send salat upon the Prophet and you leave his family out, Ali goes, you're wasting your time. This is another error people make. So they say this, Alhamdulillah, Allah Masalli Muhammad. If you don't say Allah, the family, your dua is wasted. So how precious are they that Allah Ta'ala refuses to answer the believer's dua if you don't send blessings upon them. And of course, the Rudi Ibrahim covers that. If you say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alihi Wa Sallam, etc, etc. So note again, their status. Allah Ta'ala is reminding you that through them you've been given goodness. And always, and this is part of the thanks that we show back to them for the sacrifices they've made. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanahu wa bihamdi, subhanahu wa lahumma bihamdika, ashru la ilaha illa anta astaghfirika, atubu alayka, atubu alayhi mishtajim, subhanahu wa rabbika, rabbul izzati, amma isifuna, salamu alayhi wa rabbul salim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, bismillahi rabbil alameen, wal asr, inna sallahu wa fi khusr, ladhi na'amilu wa amilu salihat, wa asbil haq, wa asbil salut, salut Allah.